0: Final predictions for the 2021-2022 Phoenix Suns season and a preview of the opening night game between the Suns and the Nuggets. All that coming up right here on Locked on Suns. Network, your team every day. All right, we are back. This is Locked on Phoenix Suns. I'm your host, Brendan Clean, credentialed media member covering the Suns the past five seasons, and your host here every day. Thank you for making Locked On Suns your first listen every single morning. Follow the show on Twitter if you do not already at Locked on PHX Suns. Follow me, your host, on Twitter at Brendan Clean14. Today is the day, and it is basketball time for the Phoenix Suns at long last. Jacob Padilla is my guest today. Longtime Suns fan, former Suns writer, and now a staff writer over at Hale Varsity. He has graduated to bigger and better things, but he is back with us today to uh, to talk Suns. And look, you picked a busy day for it, man. How are you?
1: Good. Uh, Suns basketball is back in my life, so it's hard to uh, hard to feel bad about that. Uh, although it wasn't the case just a couple of short years ago.
0: Yeah. um... Crazy to think, I, the we are recording this as the first set of games is on, uh, the Bucks playing, getting their rings, something I'm sure Suns fans did not tune into, but basketball is here for the NBA again, um, and as much as I wish, basketball never left, and the Mercury were still alive, playing right now, uh, that did not happen either, so we are back to just Suns in the Valley, and uh, let's start things off with one final update here. Uh, well, I want to say final. It is clearly not going to be the final update on DeAndre Ayton. But one more update, courtesy of Sam Amick, who did a Q&A with James Jones at The Athletic, getting some of the explanation for why no deal was done here. And then we'll get into, like I said, predictions. And record, offense, defense, where the Suns finish, trades, all of the good, all of that good stuff. Who's going to be on the roster? Who's not going to be on the roster? And then we will also give you our uh, preview thoughts on Suns Nuggets, which should be a really fun game. I'm excited to watch that one. I'm sure Jacob is as well. Setting aside the fact that it is a a Suns game for the first time in a long time, I think that matchup could tell us some things. So we'll talk about that as well. But let's set the stage here, Jacob. Uh, DeAndre Ayton, no deal. We know that. Five years, 172 million. He didn't want to budge from the max. That was the problem, I guess, between the two sides. We heard there was a possibility of a shorter deal. James Jones confirmed that to Sam Amick, but basically said nothing really got that far down uh the line with those negotiations. Basically, James Jones's comment was there really were no negotiations because the team was not willing to back down, or uh, Aiton's side, Aiton's team, I mean, was not willing to back down from their ask of that five-year, $172 million deal. The reason that James Jones gave, that they were willing to do, which is something I went on a huge rant about yesterday, a three uh, that they were willing to do a three- or four-year deal but not willing to do the five-year deal is because, according to James Jones, they wanted the flexibility to trade for another one of these guys on a designated player extension. These rookie supermax, you know, for a rookie contract extension deals. De- Devin Booker is on one. DeAndre Ayton would have been number two for the Suns. And you can only have two on your roster. So that's the sum, uh, the summation of what happened in this Q&A, what the explanation publicly is from James Jones. What do you make of that? Answer, Jacob. Does that satisfy your your concerns here? Does that satisfy the questions that we had coming out of these negotiations? Or what do you make of it?
1: Yeah, not really. Um, I, I, so I, I kind of laid out a lot of my thoughts on Twitter the other day. Um, the the overriding thing uh, about this deal that is just so frustrating to me is everything that's happened with DeAndre Ayton, what he is as a player. Is pretty much about what i expected um all the all the the flaws you could have seen the hit those in him as a prospect yeah so yet you use your number one overall pick your last big shot at a franchise changing player on him over other guys uh, obviously uh and and now you want to hold off on paying him because you want to try to find another one of those other guys to use in that spot instead um what i i don't get is if if they're going to be making a big move, whether it's for a Carl Anthony Towns or somebody else um, to get acquire somebody better than Aiden, Aiden's probably going to have to be in the deal. Like, it just, I, d- I don't really see how they can make a move to add a superstar level player while also keeping Aiden. Yeah. So which If that's the case,
0: yes, exactly. Why, why do you,
1: yeah, you would be trading him out so you could still bring back another five year max extension. So, I, yeah. I just don't really understand what they're trying to do here. Um, I understand, like, yes, there, there are some questions about Ayton's ability to be a long-term number two, uh, piece on a franchise winning, uh, or a championship winning franchise, but you kind of, you, uh, kind of back yourself into that hole when you drafted him number one overall, and you, you knew that there were questions about his ability to be an offensive, uh, engine, um, and the defense was a question at that point he's answered those questions. Yeah. Um, he has gotten better. Obviously it's not linear. Um, and there's still some questions about what the motivation, all that kind of stuff. Uh, we don't know. They're, they're there every day with them. We're not. Um, so there, there are reasons to be hesitant, but I feel like it just, they kind of tied themselves to Aiden when they made that pick. Yeah. And now that we've seen they can go win a championship or at least compete for one with this group. It just seems like they're trying too hard to um, shoot for the the absolute perfect move to make here when I just don't know how realistic that is compared to what you have right now and which seems like a pretty good thing.
0: Yeah your point is is super valid. I mean this is what you do when you draft a player number one unless you completely screw it up, you pay them a maximum off of that deal. I mean it's as much as we laugh about the Andrew Wiggins negotiations, for ex- for example, where Glenn Taylor basically said, hey, you're going to try hard? All right, here's the money. It it's it, There was no other option, right? There rarely is another option because the market dictates that these guys have that value. And that's where Aiton's been coming from from the beginning. And I think that's super valid. Um, and I think that that, like you said, is just coming home to roost at this point. And they're looking for an alternative when there really isn't one except for I guess you know playing hardball and and risking losing him and risking this optics, bad optics of, you know a week of of negative publicity and everything else that's that's ensued. Uh, Sam Vecini wrote another breakdown also at the Athletic today where he basically outlined who the guys are that he sees as reasonable targets. You mentioned Carl Anthony Town, somebody we've all talked about a lot because of his friendship with Devin Booker. He is. A big man, I don't imagine he would ever play with DeAndre Ayton. So that one doesn't make a lot of sense. Ben Simmons, I don't think makes a lot of sense from how the Suns play, the culture they want to build, um, the fact that they have a lot of wings. I don't really, he's not not a guy who would ever play with Chris Paul, certainly. So that one doesn't make a lot of sense. Michael Porter Jr. was named by, by Sam and then Jamal Murray. So both of those guys have health risks and Denver just signed them. So the bottom line is there's not an obvious target, but at the same time, I feel like you read or you listen to this James Jones interview and you have to kind of come back to the idea that they seem to have some sort of plan in mind here. You don't go out on a, a public limb saying we don't want to be jeopard we don't want to jeopardize our chances to be able to acquire another version, another guy of, a, of this type of contract if you don't have something in mind already. I mean, not that, not that they're going to forecast what that is, but that's such a very specific thing to go out there and say, which could be very well the case. Maybe they do. Pascal Siakam, is guy I know a lot of Suns fans have talked about as well. He is also on one of these contracts. I would throw his name out there as well. Um, the other option, which is, I think, some of what you're getting at and what I think I've seen some people talking about online and what I was hinting at a little bit when I said this is James Jones's public explanation, is that as bizarre and specific as it is, it at least is an answer, right? Uh, On the other hand, a very obvious reason that you don't want to sign somebody for five seasons is because you just don't believe that they're necessarily somebody you want to be tied to for five seasons. And I think that gets you very quickly back to work ethic, commitment level, and everything else. Um, I know I'm rambling, but I'll close out by saying I said yesterday when I was reacting in the moment to it that he's a player who has always responded to external motivation. I still think that's true. I think he could, in the short term, respond positively to this. But the fact remains, you cannot have a player who only gets motivated externally, become one of your franchise cornerstones, and expect to be great for a long time. I personally don't feel that way, especially when your best player is not a rah-rah type necessarily in Devin Booker. That's the issue. That's always been an issue with De- with DeAndre and That's not going anywhere, and that's been the through line throughout his entire career, through a lot of this reporting, is the Suns are not positive that he's a guy who, when push comes to shove, can be a cornerstone. And this is what happens when you get into that stalemate. So um, hopefully we can flush this down the toilet for at least a month and stop talking about it. Jacob, I want to talk to you about real stuff, so let's move on really quickly here um, to... Previews, uh, predictions, all that fun stuff. It is the first day of the season after all, and I will let you have the floor. I am done uh, filibustering here. Um, however, we do need to take one quick break for a word from Sweplock, the little secret to confidence right in your back pocket. Sweatblock is a new revolutionary deodorant, and that's because it's hardly a deodorant at all. For a few weeks now, we've been talking about Sweatblock, the wipes that stop sweat for seven days, and it seems people have been listening. We have friends of Locked On who have tried Sweatblock and love it, including a high school teacher who said he would pit out by fourth period, hear the snickers and whispers from his students, so he started having to bring a second shirt between classes. Then he heard about Sweatblock, tried it, and now he's hooked courtesy of Locked On. Another success story. A soccer player heard us talking about sweat block, thought it was too good to be true, but he was always the wettest guy after practicing games, soaking wet just from a little workout. So he thought he'd give sweat block a shot. He tried it on his pits. The next practice, they were completely dry while everything else was wet. Well, guess what? That's because he used sweat block on those pits and didn't use it anywhere else. He said he didn't have to reply, reapply for nine days, and now he is a true believer. Locked on, listeners. Love Sweatblock again because it is that little secret to confidence right in your back pocket. Not just for armpits, chest, feet, back, feet, hands, anywhere that sweats. They want me to ahem, ahem for that one. I think you know what I mean. If you or someone that you care about is dealing with excessive sweat, check out Sweatblock today. Use the promo code LOCKEDON at sweatblock.com to get 20% off your order. Again, that's sweatblock.com with promo code LOCKEDON or check them out at Amazon and CVS. All right, Jacob, I have some prediction topics, categories for us. I'll give you the floor first. Pretty easy. Softball for you. What do you believe the Suns' record will be in 2022? Now, 72-game season last year. They won 51 games. They, you know, got fairly lucky. They beat up on good teams. That doesn't always sustain. They stayed very healthy. But 82-game season now. How do you think they're going to do this year?
1: Yeah, I, I settled on uh, 55 uh, 55 wins, I think, this year, which is baking in a little bit of regression for some of the good luck they had last year. Um, you mentioned the the record against the best teams, obviously the health to their main players. Uh, but I also uh, think they're, they're going to take some, some step forward uh, in some areas. Um, I feel like a couple of those guys are going to make some improvement. I, I feel like adding Shamit and uh, McGee, um, will help this team, especially in the regular season, kind of sustain uh, winning play throughout the season. Um, so I, I feel like they they probably have a little bit less luck than last year, but they're still going to be one of the best teams in the West. So I settled in on 55, there, which is a few games behind their pace from last year, but still within the same range.
0: Yep, I'm actually right there with you. So I think on a previous show, my former uh, guest host, Brandon, Put me on the spot. It was a listener question. I was not ready. I said 58. I've completely backed down, mostly because, honestly, um, I think the health thing, I've come a little bit more around on just realizing I think the Suns were the third healthiest team in terms of games lost last year. That's hard to replicate. That stuff tends to really just be random, and especially when you have a point guard who's as old as Chris Paul, you gotta bake in some, some lost games. So I think that will, will, will work to their detriment. I also think... Teams just don't win that many games in the NBA these days with rest and minute watches and, you know, star, you know, the nonsense in places like Brooklyn and Philadelphia and and, and these types of stories that seem to crop up every so often. Um, I just don't think we see these powerhouse regular season teams. So I just don't think the Suns will be there. So with that all said, I'm at 54. Uh, I already gave that prediction elsewhere, so I have to hold myself to it. 54. Is what I will go with. Um, let me do this one now. Defense, defensive rating. Per cleaning the glass last year, they were sixth in defense. Um, I think that was probably the surprise of the year for a lot of us when the Suns came out of the gates in training camp talking about they wanted to be tenth, top ten in defense. We were like, all right, you know, well, let's see it. And then they very, very much did that. Um, I don't really know if it. Should, there's any reason to think it will get worse. But how do you feel? Uh, I'll give you the floor, and I'm actually going to turn some lights on, but the beauty of Bluetooth headphones, I will be able to hear you. So please, let us know about your defensive uh, guesses.
1: Yeah, um, I, I think they're going to be pretty solid. Uh, they, they've made, uh, they've continued to make strides. We've seen players like Devin Booker um, take a big step up defensively and, uh, to where he, he used to be a, a liability out there. Now he's capable of being an asset in certain situations. Um and uh, yeah. I, I yeah. kind of pulled up their synergy pro. They were tenth or they were ninth in uh points per possession allowed last year, just overall. Um, so ninth in the league last year. So they they were solid top ten defense last year, and I think they'll be in that probably that's that same range, a kind of um six to nine range probably. Um, they've got enough pieces there. Um, now you've got uh McGee coming in off the bench that can kind of. Uh, address one of their weaknesses last year um, in the second half of the season after um, kind of this the sarge stuff kind of fell off uh, the side, uh, side of a cliff and they weren't able to yeah. kind of sustain uh, the backup minutes now you've got a legitimate big man that can actually defend the position uh, and, and provide some length yeah um, so yeah. I, I think that'll that'll make a difference and then you'll just see kind of continued progression from from all these guys. Um, a lot of young players that are uh, still growing uh, into their physical primes, let alone they're kind of adjusting to the system and everything like that. So I think they'll, they'll continue to be a a, a top 10 defense. Um, I I don't know. I think they they probably still, uh, I don't know at this point with Chris Paul at his age and Devin Booker kind of your starting backcourt. I I don't know if that might cap your ceiling just a little bit. Um, And especially coming, they don't really have, um, uh, too many like talented defensive guards coming off the bench. Payne can be yeah, uh, he can be pesky at times, but overall um isn't great. And then Shamit, kind of the same thing. Uh, I, I don't think he's going to be a great defensive player. And uh, same with Nader coming off the bench. So I, I don't know that they've got great defenders coming off the bench, uh, particularly in the backcourt. That might limit uh, their ceiling, but I think they'll yeah. be more than good enough to to get the job done again this year.
0: That's where I was going to go as well. Uh, this is a point that a lot of the analytical folks out there have been making, even dating back to in the moment last year, is their bench defense had no business being as good as it was. You even mentioned mentioned Dario Sharage, who uh, obviously Suns fans love, and, and we know the impact and how it was felt when he got hurt. But is by no means, you know, is defense supposed to be the thing that he excels at, and yet when he was on the floor, their defense was incredible. So I think that could get worse, just from normal randomness, but also, like you said, they did lose a little bit of talent there, especially like you know Javon Carter not being on the floor quite as much and Torrey Craig
1: for the second half of the Torrey season.
0: Craig, exactly. So as much as I do think Javale McGee helps, I think a lot of bench defense is really just you know can you guard. Individual scores. Teams aren't really running sophisticated offense when their bench is in necessarily. A lot of the sixth men of the year types are are guards who just go out there and get get offense. Also, this is a little bit of a weird way to look at it, but um you look at the ratings from or the rankings from last year, and you had Boston and Milwaukee ten or lower. I just feel like those two teams are going to improve. Boston has Al Horford now, and they're hopefully going to have a more normal season. Milwaukee was trying a bunch of stuff in terms of switching and, and changing how they were playing defense. I think they obviously figured that out en route to a title, so they should be better. And I just don't see a lot of other teams in the top 10 that I think are really going to fall, unless you think New York, the Knicks, although that's also the Tom Thibodeau effect. So I don't see a lot of teams that I feel like will be worse who were in the top 10, and I see a couple who could push up. So I'm going to go with eighth. I'm going to say the Suns don't fall all the way out of it, but they do fall a bit. And uh, some of that's random. Some of that is some of the the different personnel that they have. So um, that's defense. Offense now, I think this is where I feel like they could be even better. They were sixth in offense as well. They were sixth in both. Um, Ahead of them was Denver, the Clippers, Utah, Portland, and Brooklyn. I feel like you at home listening and Jacob, you probably hear the Clippers and that's an obvious candidate to fall off. But there are a lot of great offensive teams in this league I just think the Suns are gonna be even better. I think Devin Booker will be better. I think that uh, this team playing in its second season together will be better. I think Landry Shamit will make a huge impact. I even think JaVale McGee will make a huge impact. What he does on offense is a little bit less random and um, you know dependent on shots going in than somebody like Jari Saric, so I think that could help. I think they're gonna be a top five offense. I wouldn't be surprised if it was top three. What do you think?
1: Well uh, yeah, just kind of looking at their synergy. They they were second in the league in uh points per possession, uh 1.065, behind only Brooklyn, which uh, obviously they, they kind of got a supernova going over there offensively uh, with their Yeah, personal. yeah. I think that, I think
0: yeah. uh betting on Brooklyn to be the top offense is a pretty safe bet. Kyrie Irving or or no Kyrie Irving.
1: Yeah. And they're kind of calling back into it with the, the Bucks tonight, but um yeah, they I I think they'll be like you said, top 5 for sure. Um just I, I was blown away by with what I saw from JaVale McGee in the preseason and just kind of the chemistry he had, um, with, uh, with, with Cam Johnson campaign and those guys already. Um, and that, that was something they were missing last year is that backup option that could go finish at a Deandre Ayton level. Um, there are so many possessions where, um, they should have had easy buckets that charge and Kaminsky just weren't able to finish, uh, just because of their limitations. Yeah. Um, so he doesn't give you the, the four spacing that those guys did, but, um, he gives you the, 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 rim running option. So you always have that on, on, on the floor at all times. Uh, and then you keep the, the obviously a guy like Cam Johnson at the four, you've got four shooters out there, uh, space on the floor around that. And, and that's really tough to guard. And, um, I, I think Shamit will be interesting just kind of how he fits in. I'm not quite as high on him as. Um, a, a lot of Suns fans are on on, uh, on Twitter. Um, I'm myself kinda, included.
0: I'll, yeah. I'll throw myself in. People who listen to this know I'm uh, unrealistically just all in on the experience already. What makes you hesitant?
1: Uh, well, it, probably part of it is the fact that I'm a Creighton fan and he's a Wichita State guy. Uh, and there, uh, there's always a bit of a rivalry there. Um, so I just kind of naturally opposed to Wichita State players. Uh, but also, I mean, he... There's two teams have already moved on from him. Uh, he wasn't a huge part of the, the Brooklyn playoff rotation last year. Um, he, he shot the ball pretty well throughout his career, but he hasn't been great defensively. So um, I, I know that Monty Williams is high on him and sees, uh, feels like he can unlock more of his game. And during the, the preseason, it looked like they did at least a little bit of that. Um, numbers were pretty good. I think uh, about 18 and four and a half assists a game. Uh, per thirty six, uh, that is uh, during the preseason on really good shooting percentages. So, um, but also, he's going to be your fourth guard. So, um, sure. I, I guess yeah, it'll be interesting to see kind of the the minutes allocation between Payne yeah. and, and Uh But I, I think just having both of them back there. So regardless of how many games Chris Paul plays, um, how how many minutes he plays, you've got some some more reliable creation um, coming off the bench in the backcourt. Um, as long as those yeah. guys stay healthy, <laughs> uh, it gets a little scary if you, you have one or two of those guys go down. Cause then you're, you're talking about Alfred Payton. Um, and
0: we don't, we just yeah. don't. Yeah. Don't talk about <laughs> Alfred Payton. It's easier um, that way.
1: <laughs> but so, yeah, I think, uh, and Cam Johnson can to expand his game. Mikael Bridges continue to expand his game. Um, I, I think they've got a chance to, again, be an elite offense just with the way that Monty Williams has coached his team. And I'll, I'll yeah. be interested to see. I, I don't know what we can expect Devin Booker to to do uh, as far as taking a, another leap this year just based on how short the offseason was and how little time he got off to uh, rest and recover and then kind of get back in the gym. Um, but there are some, some areas yeah. of his game um, that if he – And if he is able to clean up the turnovers, if he's able to get that that three-point shot down just a little bit more, um, that this uh, offense could really take another leap. Um, They they still won't – they're not going to be up there in terms of the ability to get to the rim and finish. Um, You're relying on basically Aiton and uh, McGee rolling to the rim at this point um, beyond Mm -hmm. transition plays. Um, But that's just – that's the way they built this roster. So that probably kind of puts a little bit of a cap uh, just because you're living with a higher degree of difficulty shot profile. But you've got guys that can can make those shots at a high enough rate that, um, th- that they still come out um, one of the best in the league.
0: Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to go as well. Uh The one thing that I think fans uh, or general NBA fans, general NBA analysts have criticized about the Suns or picked at about how they could be a little bit worse than last year, especially on offenses, you know, they were seventh and three point accuracy last season. And, you know, you dig into that second spectrum and those types of places where they grade your shot quality versus how many you actually make. Those numbers tend to paint the suns pretty poorly or, you know, not quite as good as they were, where they were generating, Eh, mediocre, pretty good looks, but making them at an insane rate. If that gets a little closer to what the the numbers say it should be, then you get a little worse as a shooting team. Um, Mid-range, although I think the the Suns, like you look at having Devin Booker and Chris Paul, you probably say, well, they should be the best mid-range team in the NBA. They were also just smoking hot, like unfathomably good from mid-range, made almost half of those shots. Maybe you just say that continues, but if if Mikhail Bridges is trying things a little bit more, if if he's experimenting, you know, maybe some of those numbers go down. But I can't really convince myself out of it. My prediction is that they will be the, the third best offense in the NBA. I think Brooklyn and I think Utah just are gonna be regular season powerhouses there. I think Utah has figured out how to maximize that roster. I think Brooklyn is can just waltz into having an elite offense. And as long as Harden and, and KD play a lot and their shooters make shots, like that's pretty easy to imagine. So that's my guess. Uh, we will have some uh, who will be and who will not be on the roster predictions coming up right after another quick break. First, though, a quick word from Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever, my favorite protein bar, and Built Bar likes to say the healthiest candy bar ever. It's probably a more accurate way to say it. They are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew, not like those bricks that other places try to give you. You can do protein without having it be hard and crunchy and obnoxious. And Built Bar has figured that out. They have cracked the code and they have delivered it in the, po- in the form of delicious flavors. Coconut, cherry, raspberry, mint, my personal favorite, double chocolate. You know what you're getting in each and every Bilt Bar. That is 17 to 18 grams of protein, just four or five grams of sugar. They make them delicious without packing them in sugar. I don't know how they do it. It doesn't matter how they do it. The point The point is they are delicious and they get the job done. So go to built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. Not first order, next order. You can double dip with this as always. Promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com Today's show also brought to you by BetOnline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports, BetOnline is back and better than ever with a new web interface, which means more props, odds, and lines than ever before and easier to access than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action all season long. Use the promo code ON when you make your first deposit to get a 50% welcome bonus. Again, go to betonline.ag on the web or on their mobile app, make an account today, and when you do, use the promo code ON to get a 50% welcome bonus straight to your account. Bet online once again the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. All right, Jacob, floor is yours once again here. Does Jalen Smith stay on the roster through the end of the season?
1: Yeah, that's the that's the question there. Um, I looking at the roster, there aren't a ton of holes, um, and there I, I don't know that there are a ton of um, like easily tradable assets that you can get a good res- return for. Um, I, I'll say he does stick around. I think they give him the the year, um, J- Jay Crowder's coming up, uh, the end of his contracts coming up soon. Obviously he's later on in his career. Um, I think you looked at Cam Johnson stepping into that role, but then you've got Smith potentially. Um, I think they would hope would be able to step into whether backup four playing more of the five, but behind, uh, if, if he sticks around long-term, uh, we'll, we talked about that at the top. We're not really sure what the plan is there, um, but he's uh, James Jones at least given the impression that he has one. But um, I, I think they'll give him a chance to, to keep developing because I just don't know what you're going to get for him. Um, if, if they can put together some kind of Thad Young trade or something like that, obviously that's uh, the one that a lot of people are talking about in the offseason. Maybe, um, I, I don't think they'd hesitate to include him in a deal like that. I just don't know if they're going to be able to pull that off, if that's going to materialize. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see them make some kind of move on the margins, similar to the Tory Craig deal last year. Just take a shot on a guy, see if he can come in. Cause I feel like with uh, that extra
0: roster spot. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They, they got that spot. And I feel like that's probably the one um, kind of spot on the, the, the roster that you could use a little bit more depth is a Tory Craig like physical backup wing that um, gives you a little bit more versatility. Um, yeah. Because I'm not a huge uh, Abdul Nader guy, um, and I, I was, Chandler Hutchison is on a two-way, so I don't think they're factoring him yeah. into the uh, talk about him months.
0: even less than we talk about Alfred Payton.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I yeah, so I forgot about him.
0: Uh, he for is. A moment, I will say, got to got to be up close with Chandler Hutchison for the first time. He happened to be warming up on the floor on the court in the practice facility next to where we wait for the media. The one time I went to practice so far this year. He is a tall man, more so than you would guess. So huh? he does have size, but I yeah. don't think he'll be playing much at all for yeah. the Suns this year.
1: He looks the part. That's why he got drafted where he did. Yeah. He um, looks the part, yes. He hasn't quite played it so far in the NBA. but So I could see yeah. them making uh, kind of a deal on them. It, it'll either be, I think, uh, if you're moving on from uh, Smith, I think it'll be for like a that Young-level player. Um, someone that can come in and instantly be... Um, Either a starter or a um, key backup that'll that'll play big minutes off the bench. Um, if, if that doesn't happen, I, I I don't see them making a huge move. Otherwise, this year I don't see an eight and move. I don't really see because we talked about it, I don't know who, who who they'd be trading for anyway. So I think um, we could see them make some deadline moves, whether it's a a minor trade, whether it's a buyout candidate, something like that. Um, we could be at the point where maybe the Suns become a buyout destination for at least one guy that they could get Um, coming off the the finals run last year. And if they continue to have success this year, so that could be an option. But for the most part, I think the Suns are probably going to play with, uh, with this main rotation as it is now.
0: Chris Paul over or under 60 games played.
1: Who? Oh, I'll go over 60 out of an 82 game season. Um, I think, I think with pain and Shan, I think they'll be smart with him. Obviously, he's not a guy that's gonna uh, be interested in sitting out uh, a, a lot of games. No. Um, but
0: no. yeah, where would he, you put the line then? Where where's the point where you would have said under, <laughs> like
1: uh, so 70? he seventy out of seventy two last year he played 70 the year before
0: and yeah he's been a a perfect bill of health the past two years what makes it so impossible to predict like if you're just going off of his track record you'd say of course he's going to play 80
1: yeah um the the three years before that was 58 58 61 but then he was back up 74 82 so it's those
0: it's those plant-based meals man they (laughs) they figured he figured something out
1: yeah that that i mean there's something to that a little bit of luck and uh, as players age that that does make a difference kind of how they take care of their bodies and um again between i think paul doing that and the sons trying to be as smart as possible with them um and I, it's just amazing that he made it through the entire season healthy and then had like five different things happen to him in the
0: course in the of opening the opening quarter of yeah. the first playoff game it all came tumbling down yeah i would say i think i go over 60 as well i'm really torn i don't think he'll rest but I also feel like, I've talked about this before, under the radar, his minutes have gone down you know, the past couple yeah. years, even as he's making this big show of, I you know, I told Sam Presti no to his face, I'm not doing that. It's like, okay, well then you played like three minutes fewer per game than you had before, and then you did about another minute fewer per game when you got to Phoenix. So I wouldn't be surprised if the minutes dipped again, and maybe he does miss some back-to-backs here and there. The schedule will be nicer this season than it had been last year, and, and of course, the bubble and all the bizarre, you know, scheduling quirks of, of that situation was its own monster as well. So I would say over, um, probably if you had given me what?
1: 70, um, that's one where I could have, um, like I could see him yeah. easily playing like 67 games this year or something like that. That's one where I would have had to, yeah. um, think about it pretty hard. I could, could see 70, 75, 67 kind of either way on uh, either side of that. And like you said, they keep his minutes down, play him 30 a game. You give Payne the rest of his backup minutes and um, you can still feel like you have a chance to succeed in the regular season as long as Payne doesn't regress back to what he was before he got to Phoenix.
0: Yeah, I'd say I'll I'll go 72 to 75 or so. I think he'll they can keep him happy by saying oh no you have a calf injury like right. that's why you're out you're not resting right and like whatever will do the public game of all of that and i think the the smartest plan is for him to rest but i think pain being locked in and, and trustworthy from the jump is a is a part of this season that's going overlooked too that wasn't there last year i mean coming into last season we were all asking is was the bubble real for cam and now there's no doubt that he can handle 25 minutes a night if you want him to so um I think that'll. I think that'll impact things as well. Um, very random one. You may not have an opinion on this. Does by the beginning of next season has Nike announced a Devin Booker signature shoe?
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm not not really a shoe guy. I don't know how that all works. I'll, I'll guess no. Um,
0: okay. But... Yeah, that's probably the safer guess. I. I don't get why not. I don't, I'm don't. i not a huge shoe guy either. I'm fascinated by it just as like somebody who cares about the NBA. I have a grand total of one pair of, of sneakers and it's because they were on incredible discount. And then I promptly hardly ever wear them because I'm not used to doing that. But I don't get how Trey Young and some of these guys can have one and De- Devin Booker cannot, especially because they've done some of these like special releases of the Kobe's and different things like that for Booker. Like they're so, they, yeah. they clearly want to do it. And uh, I think that, I think he could, but I would probably say no as well. He won the championship Uh, this
1: year. I think Nike would be smart to capitalize on that for sure.
0: I would think so. He's a very popular guy. He's literally dating a member of the Kardashian family. It seems like easy money. Uh, You've already (laughs) brought him into the design lab before. It's not as if this is some stranger that just got signed to Nike. He's been around for a bit, so get it done. Um, Okay, the last one that I had for you was, what's going to happen? where Where is the ultimate fate of this sun season headed
1: uh yeah, because I'm a Suns fan and I can't ever get too high i'll I'll say it ends in the the western conference finals again um i, I mean i I could see them
0: the, you i mean they lose was, in the conference finals or they win them and then lose in the finals
1: lose in the conference finals I'll just say okay um, okay i again like i just because we can't have nice things and um I'm I assuming something's gonna go wrong at some point because that's what my entire experience as a Suns fan has been. Uh, but I, I don't. I think they'll they'll be a strong contender. They're going to be, uh, I think, a contender for the finals all season long. And whether it's Utah figuring something out, whether it's the Lakers getting healthy and uh, being healthy at the right time, and just kind of overwhelming, I'm still a little hesitant about that roster. But I was when they won the championship as well. So um, at the end of the day, LeBron and Anthony Davis might just be that good. So we'll see. Uh, But yeah, yeah, I, I would not be surprised if again, to see them back. I think they certainly got the pieces to, to get back to the finals where they were last year. Um, But just that's, that's a lot to go to the finals last year, get the three month off season then come back and um, to be able to run it back all the way again and stay as healthy as they were last year, have everything go their way. Um, But uh, again, like, this is just me speaking as uh, an, uh, a, a damaged Suns fan now. Uh, if you pick the Suns to go to the finals, I'm like, yeah, Sun, That sounds reasonable.
0: Sure. No, I'm I'm uh, I'm gonna make people upset probably, um, because I like you. I feel like it's almost like it's kind of the the thing of picking a series, and it's like either you know you're playing a great team, and it's like LeBron. Jordan whatever you're like the Suns will either steal it in 6 if they happen to have the higher it was like this with the LeBron in the first series first uh, round last year right it's like either the Suns win it at home in like 5 or somehow sneak it out in 6 and and the series just really goes their way or they lose you don't pick them to win game 7 right so in that same way I'm like I feel like picking the Suns to lose the finals is just such a depressing thing to do. It's like, oh, the same crappy way you felt a few months ago? Get ready for that again. Yeah. That's pretty disappointing. But that's kind of how I feel because the East scares me so much more than the West. So, like, I get your point. Things just, there's going to be so much that changes between now and then. You're kind of just saying, like, generally speaking, that feels like about where they'll end up. And I, I hear you. But when I go through the West, I'm like, I do feel better about the Suns than most other teams unless, you know, Denver gets healthy or the Clippers get healthy or this Russ thing really just goes beautifully for the Clipper or for the Lakers. I don't really see another situation that terrifies me. So I'm going to say that the Suns will lose in the finals again, even though I know that that's going to be devastating to people. I'm sorry. It just, that's how I feel.
1: I, I love it. It, it was a disappointing end, but right now you you tell me the sound of going back to the finals i i i'd take that right away i'll, I'll sign up for hey that
0: jazz fans like as much as it sucked like you ask a jazz fan i'm sure they would trade uh they wouldn't trade those back to back losses to jordan for like a 500 season those okay. years like i mean come on you, it's still it's still winning it's still fun um okay my last thing for you before we get out of here uh, what are you looking for in this Suns Nuggets series? We went a little long here, okay. but uh, last thoughts here as we get out, as we get people out the door and, and ready for game one.
1: Yeah, it's kind of interesting that uh, coming out of all the DeAndre drama, the Suns open up with uh, Nikola Jokic and the Denver Nuggets. Like, oh, hey yeah. go, go to work, big man. Um, oh, wait, yeah. he doesn't like being called that. Um, but yeah, I, it's, it's a it's a really fun uh, game to open the season. That's for sure. It is. Yeah. Um, I, I noticed. Uh, I saw. I um, think Evan side um, talk talk about how Monty Williams talked about uh, Jokic, obviously, and then Will Barton as the other guy they're worried about. Uh, just kind of the disdain the they have for Michael Porter Jr. So I'm looking forward to that. Just kind of the back and forth.
0: Yeah, nothing like that's what I was going to say. Nothing like the confidence yeah. boost of. Uh, not that there's any bad vibes. I don't really believe the Deandre thing is going to like hamper anybody, but like confidence boost to start the season. Hey, go play the team. You decimated like three months ago. Have fun.
1: Yeah. And so uh, that'll be fun to see just kind of how Porter comes back and handles, um, playing the Suns again, just kind of the game within the game there of the Suns trying to target him and him trying to stay out on the floor. And, uh, cause again, the Nuggets are going to need him without J- Mal Murray for most of, if not all the season. Um, but they'll be uh, they'll be a little bit healthier than they were the last time. They'll have some more options in the backcourt that'll make it more competitive. I think the Suns will come out and, and play well and get the win, but anytime you match up with Jokic, the Nuggets are going to have a chance for sure.
0: Yeah, I'm interested to see... Um, I focus too much on this stuff. The Suns handled small ball fine, but I still am just so fascinated by a small team whenever they play against the Suns. And The, the Nuggets aren't small in their starting unit, of course, Ayton has shown he can handle Jokic, but they are now going to be playing pretty small in the backup unit with Jeff Green and Jamichael Green there. And, you know, the flexibility that they have with some of their wings and guards and everything else, they do space you out and, and move the ball and they are so clinical. With JaVale McGee back there now, instead of uh, Dario Sharic, I am interested there just from a matchup perspective. And then, yeah, I want to see... I really am just looking to see the Suns stuff. Like, I kind of wish this matchup might have been, like, game three or four because I'm going to be so focused on what do the Suns look like that, like, some of the lessons to take away of, like, oh, they did this against, you know, MPJ, and how did Gordon factor in? Like, I'm going to probably lose that stuff because I just want to see, like you said, how many minutes does Landry Shamet play? Do they play him with Devin Booker and Chris Paul? Do they play campaign? Do they play more of those lineups that we saw in the playoffs from the jump this regular season? How many minutes does Cam Johnson get compared to Jay Crowder, which is another sub subplot this year that I've talked about. So that's a lot of, you know, what the rotation looks like and what are the new pieces do here and and do, you know, are there any obvious holes? Like is is the absence of Tory Craig just obvious from the jump? I don't know, um, but that's kind of what I have my eye on. But that'll wrap us up, guys. Enjoy the game. Enjoy your Wednesday. I will be back right after the buzzer. Thank you to Jacob Padilla. You can follow him at Jacob Padilla underscore no longer giving us his published thoughts on the Suns, but uh, his Twitter account is a, um, look, he's actually pretty reasonable. So you guys might want to follow him so that you're not talking to yourselves into a tizzy every day like we have all been doing lately. Um, But anyway, yes, enjoy the game, guys. Talk to you right afterward and let's get it.